a young adult, rings the church phone number, says she's feeling lost, thinks she needs to go to church, (laughs) asks, do I need to bring anything or can I just come? A husband who for decades has shown no interest in church or Christianity, the things of God, one week sits down next to the wife who's prayed for him this whole time to watch online church. Comes back the next week, sits down again, watches it again, starts talking about the sermon afterwards, watches every week since. A child, a daughter, asks dad at bedtime, what happens when we die? A man has his child baptised and makes promises that he neither understands nor believes. When the time comes to baptise the second child, realises that He has acted with no integrity. He can't go through with it until he explores what it is that he promised, chooses to follow Jesus. A grandmother in her dying days asks her daughter to prepare her for heaven. All of these and more, the woman's boss who says to her, I think you should go to church, she says, well, I'll go just to prove you wrong and goes every week since, realising this is what she needed. The priority of God's people, the priority of our church, is to present everyone mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever it is, wherever they are, whatever relationship we have with them, whatever their circumstances, however it is that they come to the Lord Jesus... Now, the method, as we saw last week, of that priority is that we proclaim Jesus, teaching, admonishing with all wisdom. Now, it's lofty, it's grandiose, it's an amazing vision, it's something that is powerful and given to us by God, but it's also very big. It's kind of hard to see, okay, how do we do that? How do we see everyone presented in the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Lord, mature in Christ at the end? How do we go about doing it? Now, as we explored the priority last week, see everyone presented by mature in Christ, this week we're going to think about the pattern. Again, as we talk about our church vision and what it is that we have set ourselves as our, our way of doing things, this week the pattern. Now, it's a little bit unusual as a sermon because This pattern that we as a church have adopted is not a prescribed thing. You won't find it in the Bible to say, no, this is what you must do, this is how your church life must be organised, this is how you must think of yourself and of others. But it is a pattern that is described. We can see it in the pages of Scripture. It's descriptive of the normal flow of how it is that it happens in the life of individuals and therefore what we can do in the life of our church to help. It's a very powerful pattern. It's one that you can use for yourself to evaluate, to reflect upon where you are at in your Christian walk. It's a pattern that you can use to think of others. Where are they at? How am I going to help them in this path towards maturity in Christ? And it's a pattern that's very helpful for us organisationally as a church It helps to set rhythms and the systems, the seasons of the year to give us focus at different points throughout the year. Now, here's the pattern. Let me get straight to it. Let me show it to you, describe it, and then we'll go into it a little bit more in depth. The pattern involves four E's. 
the letter E, that is, four E's. Now, here's a picture. You may have seen this before. Let me, uh, let me talk you through it briefly. This describes the pattern. Now, if we start in the top right-hand corner, that is kind of the first quadrant, engage. That is, somebody somehow connects with somebody else. A Christian with a non-Christian, a, a non-Christian who picks up a Bible, somewhere there, there's a point of engagement, of connection between the church, between Jesus' body and somebody who does not yet belong to it. Having engaged, there's evangelism that happens as the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus is shared with that individual. Now, you'll notice that there's a dotted line in between engage and evangelize, right? This is a little bit uh, fluid. It's, it's not a hard line. It isn't that you engage first and then evangelize and never the two shall mix. But they happen sort of concurrently, or they can. However, there is a hard line in between the person who is not a Christian and they are. Having been evangelized, having received, heard the gospel, there is a moment whereby the powerful working of the Spirit of God, the individual accepts the Lord Jesus Christ, gives their life to him and are born again. Now, that person as a baby Christian needs to be established, taught the basics Right, taught how to eat and drink, how to speak and walk or crawl first, how to do all the things that a baby needs. And then having been established, that person is equipped, brought up into maturity, given skills and abilities. Again, you'll notice that it's a dotted line between establishing and equipping, that they in turn might then become the person who reaches out to somebody else and engages. And so you then start the circle again. This new Christian who has now been established and equipped engages those around them, evangelizes and shares the gospel. As people come to faith, they establish baby Christians and equip them to keep going round and around and around the circle. And so on the right-hand side, you've got kind of coming to Christ. On the left-hand side, growing in Christ. And it's a cycle that we have adopted to use in our church There are four school terms to the year. There are four quadrants in this pattern. And so we use it as a way of giving us focus, giving our church calendar sort of a a rhythm, seasons, if you like. Term one, we focus on engaging, of committing ourselves to reaching out into the world, befriending new people, setting up relationships, connecting with those that we've lost touch with, purposefully directing our attention towards our acquaintances, setting up opportunities with family members, such that term two, we focus on evangelism. We don't run a week mission or a term mission, sorry, a month mission, we run a term worth of mission where our church services are geared specifically towards those who are visiting us. The gospel is proclaimed clearly, directly, a call to respond is often given. Our events usually run through term two, our evangelistic events. Our small groups, we encourage them to be doing something related to evangelism, whether it's running an event or praying purposefully with each other, connecting and sharing opportunities and ideas for evangelism. There's the pattern. Four E's running in a never-ending circle, a pattern that we can use in our individual lives, a pattern that we can use as we consider others a pattern that our church calendar is based off. Now, I want to take a little bit of time to get deeper into these. And I'm I'm just going to deal with them in in their their respective columns, engage and evangelize together, and then establish and equip. And I want to take you to one example 
uh, to start with, of engaging in evangelism. That example from Acts chapter 8 that we had read just before. I, I, I really love it. It's Again, there are unusual things that are happening in this chapter, okay? So I'm not saying that this experience that Philip had is the experience that we are going to have necessarily. It might be in God's power. Um, however, there are still lots of lessons to be learned as we go out seeking to engage and to evangelize. So let me read it for you again. This, this is what happened. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud, as you do. I guess that's the equivalent of singing in your car for them. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He said, do you understand what you are reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now let's just draw out a couple of really interesting points as we think about engaging and then as we think about evangelism. Note, first of all, the importance of putting yourself into situations where you can connect with others. Now again, Philip had the Lord God Almighty telling him, go and speak to this person through the Spirit. So again, slightly unusual. But there's something to be said about putting ourselves into situations where we expect to be engaging with others. Right? Go to the water cooler and stand around it and chat. I suppose COVID makes that slightly difficult uh, if the water cooler is your tap at home and it's just you. Um, but you get what I'm saying, right? Find those places where people congregate and talk, whether it's online these days or in person, intentionally Put yourself into situations to connect with people. People you know, intentionally put yourself into those situations. People you don't know, put yourself into those situations. And when you are there, notice the opportunities. You see, Philip walks up to the chariot and he hears this man reading Isaiah out loud. I mean, if that's not an invitation to go and have a Bible conversation, I don't know what is, but notice the opportunities. Notice the person who is reflecting upon death who is talking about a sadness in their life, who who is sharing about a particular view of the world that they have, who has engaged with a topic that you know the Bible has something to say about. Notice those things. Train yourself to notice them. And then as you notice those opportunities, take those opportunities. Philip runs up to him and when he heard him reading, he said, do you understand? Engage with that moment as you notice that opportunity. And of course, then as you take those opportunities, seek the opportunity to share the gospel. Now, as I say, the Spirit is so powerfully, clearly at work in these events with Philip. And yet I take it the Spirit is clearly and powerfully at work in every evangelism, in every time where the gospel of the Lord Jesus is proclaimed, the Spirit is the one who will do the work of either softening or hardening the heart. The Spirit is the one who will save or who will condemn as that word is proclaimed. And so make sure as you go out seeking to engage that you do so prayerfully. How powerful would it be in our lives if every time at the start of, well, everything we ever did, we prayed, we commended ourselves to God, we asked for opportunities to engage, to evangelise.
as you're about to walk into the door at work, you pray. Give me a conversation today, God. Lead me by your spirit. May he be at work in those I speak to. As we step out to lunch and we're just walking down the street, Father, would I find somebody today that I can engage with? As we come home and we walk through the door into our family, Father, help me now to engage and to evangelise. As we go out to dinner with our friends, as we meet with our family on the weekend, as we make a phone call, as we write an email, as we to be prayerfully dependent upon our God, that his spirit would be at work. I want to point out though that there is a little mistake we can make when we think about engaging. And that is often we confuse engage with evangelise. Often we confuse building a relationship with somebody with evangelism. Sometimes we even confuse inviting a friend to a church event with evangelism or even inviting them to church with evangelism. Evangelism is the proclamation of the good news. It is speaking of Jesus and what he has done and the call that he makes upon the life of somebody else. We often spend a lot of time building bridges. Right? I, I, I want to make sure this relationship is good, that we're not going to, you know, I'm not just going to go straight in really hard and they're going to cut me off or think I'm a weirdo or not want anything to do with me. I've got, I've got to build the bridge. And sometimes we build amazing bridges, extremely elaborate. Our relationship with this individual might be astonishing, right? We, we go on holidays together every year. We, we, we buy property together. We look after each other's children. We, we, we're God, whatever it might be, right? There's a massive, beautiful, ornate, phenomenal bridge. But we must cross it. There must come a time where having engaged and having built this relationship, we speak the good news of Jesus. Friends, I think that it is worse to get to the end of life with all of these marvellous bridges that we have never crossed. That is worse than having a crack, having a go at it and seeing that bridge burn. We must turn engagement into evangelism. Which of course though leaves you with the question, well when do I cross the bridge? How urgent is it? How do I know when the relationship is such that I can tell this other person about Jesus? Now, of course the urgency is always ever present. Jesus could come back tomorrow, right? We need to be focused on that and remembering that as we go about evangelism. But there's also wisdom in recognising the type of relationship you have. I want to point out that there are three different kinds of people we come across in life. There's the taxi driver, there's your hairdresser, and there's your mum. The taxi driver, how long have you got? Well, how long's your trip? Half an hour? And after that, you will never see them again. You have half an hour in which to share the gospel with them. Why would you not take that opportunity? There's no fallout, there's no consequences. If you tell them about Jesus and they really don't like you because of it, well, who cares? They're a taxi driver. You're never going to see them again, probably. Unless they're your regular Uber driver, in which case, that's all right. You can still do it with them too. Your taxi driver, go for it. There's the hairdresser. Right now, the hairdresser is somebody that you are going to see sort of over a period of time, maybe even years, but you've got very incidental contact with them. And and to be honest, 
should the relationship kind of fall apart a little bit because you've shared about Jesus with them, it really doesn't matter. You go find another hairdresser, right? So there's one that you have a bit of time, you are going to be able to build relationship over a series of visits, but at the same time, you want to get into it. Now, there's the taxi driver, there's the hairdresser, there's your mum. Your mum is going to be around for most of your life. Your mum is somebody you're going to have a profound relationship with. And your mum is somebody that you kind of don't want to have that relationship destroyed. You're going to take your time, you're going to go longer and slower, but you're also going to have more opportunities to take and to share the gospel with. We engage, we evangelise. Now, I want to share with you a really helpful set of steps. If this is the first time you're thinking about how it is that you're going to reach out with the gospel to those around you, uh, Ken West ran a fantastic session for us, I think it was the start of last year, if I remember correctly, on evangelism, and he gave us nine steps to consider. Now, you'll find them, uh, for those of you who are watching online, you will find them in the description of this video. I've, I've put them in full there, so you don't feel like you have to scramble and write them down really quickly. But here they are, right? Here's nine steps to kind of go from a brand new relationship through to this person is an established Christian. Number one, we have had a personal conversation. Kind of obvious, we've introduced ourselves, we've talked about something to do with my life, something to do with their life. Number two, they know I'm a Christian. Number three, we have spent time getting to know each other. It's helpful here to reflect upon the concept of three dimensions of relationship. You know each other in at least three different contexts. If you know someone from work, invite them to your house. That's now two contexts, one at work, one at your house. Go to a social thing together, right? Now you've got three, go to their house, even better. That depth of relationship is what will begin to bring that sense of getting to know each other. Number four, I understand their worldview, their convictions. Right? You've given them opportunities to share what they think of life and death and God and the world and life and what matters. Number five, we have discussed something from the Bible's perspective. Again, that water cooler conversation I don't know, pick a topic, right, about the origins of the world, uh, about gay marriage, about uh, how, whether we should care for refugees, about coronavirus and what place it has in the world and any topic. You've shared something of the Bible's perspective. Now, I think that up to here, up to about point five, we're still kind of engaging. This is part of building that relationship. Point six, though, is where evangelism truly well and properly begins. They have heard a clear presentation of the gospel. At some point, we want to say, hey, can, can I just share with you briefly what's really at the heart of Christianity? I mean, I know we've talked about a bunch of topics, but I want to tell you what really matters. Number seven, they are then reading the Bible. Now, that's a key step. That is an absolutely key step. Until they are reading the scriptures... It's difficult, I think, for them to come to Christ. Possible, but... And then at some point, number eight, they've become a Christian. Number nine, they've joined a good church. Now, look, this isn't a formula. It's not a process. It's not if you do these nine steps, someone is guaranteed to be a Christian. But it's an opportunity to have a crack at something and to get creative with it. You know, to be, it's, it's a helpful kind of thing. You, know, you, you, you start thinking about the people in your life, your acquaintances, your, your taxi drivers, your hairdressers, your, your, your relatives, those who are around you. Start thinking about each one of them. Where am I up to with this person? Do they know I'm a Christian? Have I ever spent any sort of time getting to know them? 
expecting them to know me. What do they think about the world? It's a very helpful way of thinking through our relationships. It's also very helpful because if there's one particular point in this list that you always get stuck at, right? I always get to point four, but I never get to point five. Well, then there's something that we can help equip you with, right? There's the little next little bit of training of help, of practice that we can do to grow from there. As you pray for opportunities, as you yourself are reading the Bible, the Gospels, as you're learning from books, as you're exploring worldviews, as you yourself are growing, this is an opportunity to help others grow themselves. Okay, so we seek to engage and evangelize. At some point, God's Spirit brings new birth and then we want to establish and equip. It's fascinating again back in Acts chapter 8. It's such an interesting couple of verses that it can be someone else's job. I mean, look at Acts 8 and verse 39. When they came up out of the water, having baptized, the eunuch was converted. Praise God, that's amazing. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch didn't see him any longer. Well, that's it. I've shared the gospel with you. I'm out of your life. You're converted. How good is that? Someone else is going to take over now. Now, maybe sometimes it'll be our role to take over. Maybe someone else has seen this person come to Christ. They've joined us. They're a baby Christian. We've got to help them grow. Now, maybe sometimes it's a relationship that we keep on going. There's a great passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. It's just such, such nice language as it talks about this. Right, Peter says this, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow up into your salvation. That, that almost magical, nourishing product that is breast milk, that, it's an astonishing thing that provides everything that baby needs for months and months and months. In that same way, the word does that for Christians. A new convert is like a baby established by God's word as Jesus teaches us how to be and how to think and how to relate and how to act, how to learn the basics, right? To to start to make noises and open our eyes and roll over and then crawl and to teach us all the things that come with being a follower of Jesus, right? You just think some of those, I mean, that lying is wrong or that caring for other people is good. These are just, well, they're basics in the Christian life, right? So many more. Now, it's worth pointing out, maturity, establishing of baby Christians and growing into mature Christians happens best in relationships of discipleship. Happens best when there is a parent who teaches a child, that's how the child grows. When there is a Christian who is alongside another Christian, together, in the Word of God, together being taught by Jesus. But that, I think, is that relationship of discipleship. And of course, it's worth reflecting then for yourself. Where are you at in this walk? Have you been established? Do you feel confident that you are living out just the basics of the Christian life? Are you, in turn, helping to disciple others? Is there somebody else that you, as you grow, help them grow? It's kind of caught up in that word, discipleship. Sometimes the word disciple can be used as a label, as a tag. I am a disciple of Jesus. 
But we ought not to forget, we've got to remember what the word disciple means. Who is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. To say that I am a disciple of Jesus is to say, I am following him. I am learning from him. I am the apprentice to him. I grow from him. To be a disciple is not to be static. It's not just a label that we have, but it's a description of the journey we are on. Disciples who grow. Established. And then as we've been established, equipped to live out God's word. Let me show you one example of that as well. 1 Peter chapter 3, since we're already there, and verse 15. In your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Prepared, equipped, able, ready to share of your faith. Like we read in Colossians 1, able to handle the word of God, the thing that we proclaim. It doesn't mean, equipped doesn't mean know all the answers. We've got to get past that. We we absolutely have to recognise this is a lifelong journey of learning and discovery. None of us has all the answers and most of us don't have a lot of answers. That's not what it's about. What it's about is being confident to take the Word of God and read it and understand it and grow from it and learn from it. Equipped doesn't mean that you have done every single course. Either you go from the very beginning and you've done two ways to live and just for starters and the blueprint and right that's not what it's about. Tools, that's all they are. Courses are tools. They are good if they are useful. You can have some tools that are absolutely useless. In fact, you can have tools that become a liability. You don't know how to use them properly. They're they're too big and too complicated for you. The right tool for the right job. No, what we want when we talk about equipped Christians is people who can speak of their own faith. You see, being established and being equipped doesn't mean being perfect. What it means is being somebody who is themselves growing in the Lord Jesus Christ and seeking to help others grow. It means being a disciple who makes other disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. It means being somebody who is confident in the salvation they have in the Lord Jesus Christ and is able to share it. Well, what are we going to do with this? I've got three points for you. Number one is I want you to reflect for yourself on your own life. Where are you at in that cycle of engage, evangelize, establish, equip? Perhaps you're still in the engage stage. You've started to learn some things about God. You've connected with a Christian or with the church. You've got lots of questions. You're not really sure what it's all about. Maybe you're at the evangelize stage. Somebody has shared the gospel with you. You understand that Jesus has died, that your sin might be paid for that he has risen to new life and offers that life to you, that even now God is calling you to repent of your rebellion against him, to believe in Jesus and trust him that you might have eternal life forever. Maybe you've only recently come to understand that and grabbed hold of it for yourself and you're now a baby Christian. You're looking to be established in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe 
as you are maturing and getting equipped, you're starting to flex the muscles and spread the wings and reach out to engage with the world and to evangelize, to share the good news. I want you to reflect where you're at because that will help you to know where next. What's the next step for me? Do I need to ask my questions about Jesus? Do I need to learn how to live for him? Do I need to reflect upon my weaknesses that I might be better equipped? Secondly, I want you then to spend some time reflecting on others. Now, if you're a leader of any sort in our church, if you have others that you are responsible for, then absolutely spend some time thinking about them. Where are they at in this cycle? How is it that we're going to help them move one step closer to maturity in Christ? I want you to think about others in your life, the non-Christians, your your taxi drivers, your hairdressers, your mum. How is it that you're going to help them progress that one next little step? Perhaps it's worth investing this year in one or two people. That's it, just intentionally, purposefully, prayerfully thinking, okay, this year, these two people, I'll be praying for them, I'm going to create opportunities to engage, to evangelise, I'm going to seek them out to help establish them as baby Christians. I'm going to get alongside them that they could join me in my walk of discipleship. And thirdly, what I want you to do is to pray for engagement. That's the term we're in now, the engage term. And we start praying that God might give you a bit of a Philip moment. That God might give you somebody you come across in your life that you recognise this person is open to God, this person needs to hear about Jesus, I'm going to tell them. Would you start praying for that person now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word again and we thank you for this pattern, how helpful it's been in our lives. We ask that you would give us wisdom and insight into ourselves to know how to keep growing into maturity in Christ, that you would give us wisdom and insight into those around us. Father, please would you make us mature and as we live lives of discipleship, would you make us those who bring others alongside us that we would be disciples who make disciples of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.